you're listening to the Dietitian Connection Student Podcast. This podcast gives you a range of tips and tools to kickstart your career in dietetics. We delve into the experiences of student dietitians and hear from the most influential and successful dietitians in the profession. This podcast will inspire you, it will challenge you, and it will empower you to become a nutrition leader and realize your dreams. Hello to all of our listeners and welcome to the Dietitian Connection Student Podcast. I'm your host Kate Agnew and I'm a student dietitian at the University of Queensland. This week's guest is Dr Judy Porter, an adjunct senior lecturer in the Department of Nutrition and Dietetics at Monash University, as well as the Dietetics Manager at Eastern Health in Victoria. Judy is an advanced accredited practicing dietitian specializing in hospital nutrition and food service management. Judy has also been an associate editor of nutrition and dietetics for the past nine years. Additionally, Judy is a member of the Dietitian Connection Scientific Advisory Board. Welcome to the show, Judy. Thank you, Kate. Lovely to talk with you. Lovely to have you here. I'm really looking forward to hearing more about your career and experiences. So thank you so much for making the time. Uh, it's, a, it's an absolute pleasure. So I understand that you were one of the first dietetic PhD graduates in Queensland. Wow. Uh, so along with this milestone, could you tell us a little more about your career path or journey? Yes, Kate. Well, look, certainly I guess it, it has been a journey as it is for all of us um, in dietetics and a terrific journey uh, it can be. Um, yes, I, I was, I guess, one of the first PhD graduates back in the uh, the, the 90s, I, I guess, quite some time ago. There weren't quite so many dietitians around, nor PhD, uh, PhDs both in dietetics and, and right across allied health, I guess. So certainly the, the research aspect of things has really evolved in the last 20 years or so. Um, but in, in terms of my career, I guess I'm uh, fortunate to work across a range of clinical settings um, and, and my focus certainly has been in clinical dietetics. So I've had the opportunity to work in acute care and subacute care, residential care and the ambulatory setting. Um, I've never worked in, in public health nor, nor beyond into private practice uh, or into industry but really focused my sort of expertise I guess in clinical dietetics. Uh, one of one of my roles uh, after completing my PhD, I uh, went off to the UK, and uh, uh, during my time there, I, I focused um, working in mental health, and I managed a, a group of mental health dietitians across a, a board a broader d- department, and uh, since that time, I guess around the year two thousand, I've really moved into management and dietetics management so managing teams of dietitians and several much larger departments so I guess that sort of summarizes where where I've come to. Definitely a leadership role it sounds like it. Look I, I guess I didn't set out to do that I set out to you know, to really deliver the best care that I could for my patients. But um, I guess, you know, different opportunities come come your way. And, um, you know, as I guess we'll, we'll discuss later, I, I really tried to, to take those opportunities and, and make the best of them. Ultimately, though, my focus absolutely remains on uh, delivering the best nutrition care for patients. And so as I guess I've developed some expertise in research, uh, my, the heart of my work is, is always on delivering the, the care for, for those beautiful patients, you know, everyone's mum and dad who's lying in hospital who just wants the best care. 
That's a great philosophy to go by, I think. Um, so why did you choose dietetics as a career at the start? Well, I guess I go right back to, to high school uh, when, when we're all making career decisions. I had a couple of opportunities. I could have moved into, I guess, a musical career. I was very music-focused. Oh, wonderful. Teenage years. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think uh, sensibly uh, I was assured by others that uh, it would be a very hard uh, career to follow in, in music. And so I I, I had, a, I, I guess, a um, parallel interest in, in health, as, as many teenagers do, and... Um, for, for me, dietetics ticked all of the boxes around working in health, that it followed my love of food uh, and working with people. So I chose that career um, and uh, absolutely it was the right decision and, um, and I'll continue to work in dietetics for many more years, I'm sure. Oh, that's great. Seems like we all choose it for different reasons, but food is always the common reason that comes up, which is fitting. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, so did you have any sliding door moments in your career? I guess I've moved about a little bit. Um, the, the, the first role that I took on, uh, the first permanent position that I was appointed to in Queensland was working in a mental health position, a newly created mental health position. And I, I must say, I look at that appointment in hindsight and think, uh, I don't know who was mad at the, 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 my employers or, or myself for taking it on. It was a really tough role to be a, one of the first dietitians appointed in, men, in a mental health role, but that was a fantastic opportunity and obviously that's where I um, conducted my initial piece of research. My PhD was conducted in, in, in mental health focus. And uh, so, so I guess if I hadn't taken that position or hadn't been offered that position, then you know who knows where one's career would have headed. But... Um, that was a fantastic opportunity to complete a piece of research and, and as we talked about, to, to become one of the first dietetic PhD graduates um, in Queensland. So I guess that, that was uh, one of them. Also, I went off to London in the late 90s and I, I was offered two positions um, there within a couple of days of arriving. I'd lined up a, a sequence of interviews and I was very fortunate. I was offered both my first two interviews that I w went to. So I was offered those two positions and one was on the south coast uh, of England and one was in the beautiful South West London um, area, uh, Kingston upon Thames, uh, working in in Surrey and just into South West London. And uh, I accepted that position, and that was, uh, I, I guess, a, a sliding door moment. In, in the, the the point being that I, I could have taken the the position on the South Coast, which would have been a a great position that I. I had taken leave of absence from my position in Queensland to go to the UK and I suspect had I taken that position I would have been back within that year but instead uh, found living in, in London the experience of being there and working and travelling and, and experiencing the, the broader life in general um, amazing and we stayed ultimately for, for six years so that was um, an, an extraordinary time which I, I look back on as being you know a fantastic growth time for me uh, far beyond dietetics in, in a sense that it was my my chance to, to see the world and to experience lots of things that you don't otherwise when you're sort of living in Brisbane and just trotting about your normal life um, so that was that was extraordinary and, and then I was appointed to my position in Melbourne from London I was interviewed at about five o'clock one summer morning um, in London I went into my office at 5am for this interview and I was appointed to my role to, to come back to Australia in Melbourne and 
I'd never been to Melbourne, um, quite honestly, so it was a, a bit of a, a bit of a chance. But um, fortunately, everyone sort of took it in that I was offered the position and and came to Melbourne, and that's just been you know my last eleven years in Melbourne have been extraordinary. So look, they are all sliding moments, I guess. These opportunities that you have to apply for positions, and I really really think very critically about whether that's the right opportunity to, to apply for a different position and then whether to accept it because it really takes your career on a different path and but but for me all of those have been a great learning opportunities. Oh, thank you for sharing that Judy. Um, yeah it sounds like there was a bit of personal and professional growth there which is um, yeah interesting. Um, so what does a typical day for you now look like? Oh, look, Kate, look, typically uh, no day is typical. Um, some days uh, I have uh, around eight hours of back-to-back meetings. Uh, there's just no time for stopping, checking emails, taking calls or doing anything other than just going to meeting after meeting. But uh, other days, I guess things are far less structured where I might have some teaching commitments, some, some marking to do. Um, or writing if I've been working on a particular piece of research or reviewing for uh, journals. But I I must confess I I really love working on systematic reviews and they're sort of a specialty of mine that I've been developing over these last couple of years. And so hopefully um, over the next couple of months I'll move back into a couple of systematic reviews that I've got planned and really try and orient my week so that I can get these reviews uh, done. Um, It's often if you don't commit to those projects, you can just get caught up in meetings and work in general, but those opportunities again can pass you by so yeah yeah great point so I'm sure there are lots of rewarding aspects to your very important roles um but what do you most enjoy about your current role oh I guess as I just described that diversity is one of the key aspects of my current role I guess I'm split between Eastern Health and um, the department at Monash University so I have a a range of opportunities across both of those workplaces Uh, so that's um, exciting but also I think you know healthcare is going in you've got a lot of challenges ahead over the next 5, 10, 20 years and um, I think the new directions that healthcare is heading um, provide opportunities for for growth around how our departments, our our roles will develop and and how the evidence base and the translation of research uh, pans out over that period. So an example is a disinvestment um, where I guess dietetics is along with other uh, aspects of the health workforce, we can't um, assume that we're going to receive further expanded funding um, forevermore f- across the public sector. So uh, looking to, to, to refocus, to perhaps scale back some services in order that we can redirect resources elsewhere, that's uh, certainly, I think, a challenge, but also um, an exciting time for, for us working in healthcare. Yeah, that's a great point, Judy. I think as a student dietitian, I'm only really realising now how important the management component is and then how attributes of a leader are so important to managing a team. That leads me to my next point, which you may have already answered, but I was going to ask what aspects of the role do you find most challenging? I'm not sure if you want to get more specific or expand on that other point. Uh, Kate, unlike you, I imagine, one of the things that I find most challenging uh, for life in general is technology and all of the different systems that we're 
meant to be able to understand and move seamlessly from and pull data out of and put data into, I, I really get lost amongst all of the technology. And I think that's one of the great advantages that you know, new and recent graduates have above um, people who've been practising for years that their, their, their life you know no different uh, in terms of the, the integration of all of those technological aspects. But yeah. for me, there's just so many different systems and passwords. Um, I think if you're working in one place, then it may be easier, but because I'm across a couple of different places uh, and then also managing quite a few different sort of journal systems, uh, my life just seems that it's full of systems and passwords. So that for me is challenging and very frustrating, oh, but I'll survive yeah. this point. Well, I think it's inspirational that you can juggle that aspect of it as well as all your other important roles <laughs> and what you're actually meant to be doing, the dietetics work. Yeah, so that's, that's sort of yeah. a, a bit of a friction, I suppose. You want to get on with your core business, but if you can't manage within those other systems, yeah. uh, then it, it's really a struggle. Yeah. And don't worry, we're all still learning as well. I, um, I spend oh, lots of times reading on the internet just trying to figure stuff out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's all part of um the learning process I guess and it's always changing as well so you can never learn something and expect it to be done forever right <laughs> oh absolutely look I think that I embrace change I, I guess I look critically at change opportunities but then once mm. you make a decision you know move forward in a, in a positive sense but uh uh, I, I certainly accept that technology isn't going away and it's certainly not going to stop evolving, but it's uh, just trying to keep on the roller coaster, I guess, is, is for me, I find it challenging anyhow. Well, you're certainly doing very well so far, Judy. Uh -huh. so, <laughs> um, so, yeah, that my next point was how do you overcome these challenges? But it sounds like um, embracing change is definitely you know, one of the key points to being able to deal with technology. Yeah, it, it is. I mean, it, it, I think some people think that it's going to go away, change, but it really isn't. So you may as well embrace it and move with it, that's for sure. But really, I must say the people that support me most through the, my techno technological frustrations are my sort of more, more junior clinicians, I guess. And, you know, like you, they've grown up in this world where there's no life without uh, Google and computers and um, smartphones and what have you. So... They certainly can give me some some pointers, and if in doubt, um, I can always ask one of my children, and they will point me in the direction. Yeah. Of the right answer. It's it's amazing that um, I, I think that younger people who, as I've described, have no no different, are completely fearless, and I'll I'll be trembling, saying I don't know if you should press that button. I don't know, and they just say, oh, we'll give it a go, and sure enough, nothing fails fails them. So they support me through. Yeah, don't worry. I still remember when we had to dial up to the internet and you couldn't use the phone while you were on the internet. That's right. Well, there you go. <laughs> that's something the next generation won't know, I expect. Yes, yes, that's very true. Um, so could you tell us a little bit more about your mentors and how they have assisted you? Look, I must say I've had some fabulous mentors um, in each of the positions that I've been fortunate to be appointed to over the years. Um, I probably shouldn't mention any of them by name because uh, I'm uh, bound to forget one or two of them. And so uh, I, I must say generally, though, I, I think in the, the role of mentorship and, and supervision is, is fantastic across all areas of practice. Um, you know, for dietetics and beyond. And I think that's where some of the really 
you you really uh, informed moments can happen. Uh, I think reflection as part of practice is key, and it's often when you have a, a have a mentor and just someone to debrief with and discuss that you can really reflect, you know, proactively on on different challenges that you face or, or different circumstances that have have arisen, and they can perhaps help you, you know, guide you to the to the right answer. Uh, I must say that the mentors that I have had. Uh, have always been very supportive and have always been encouraging when I've sought advice. But it's amazing that they, you know, I reflect on the experiences that I've had and they always seem to know when to leave you to make a decision and to to see where it takes you. Uh, so that's been a really valuable learning process for me. And often the, the greatest learnings um, happen from from things that don't go well um, for all of us, I think. Yeah, from making mistakes. Yeah, and, and, you know, not life-threatening mistakes, obviously, mm. but as you look back and you think, oh, that wasn't my best move or I shouldn't really have, have made that decision. Something else might have worked. Um, and I think that's also, you know, reflecting on those experiences where some of our sort of great, greatest sort of professional growth can, can happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so would you say that's one of the your sort of key strategies to ensuring you continue to grow and develop as a leader? Look, I do reflect quite a lot, um, mm. not necessarily formally, uh, but really quite critically. You know, if I'm just sort of sitting and, and, you know, there's nothing really busy happening at the time. You know, for example, sitting at the gymnastics centre for two hours on a Friday afternoon, as I do, um, there's time for thinking, but not necessarily, it's not necessarily the right atmosphere to be doing something um, particularly proactive. And you can reflect on different situations and think, um, you know, where to from here? So, yes, that, that certainly is has been valuable in terms of my growth. But also I think I, I really am engaged with the profession, you know, right across all levels from, from students, so um, teaching small groups or, or bigger groups in the university uh, right through to more senior roles within the profession. So I think for me that's been particularly valuable and I, I, it's that, that classic old saying, Kate, that it's, you know, you get out of something what, what you put into it and I'm not that you know trying to blow my trumpet that I put a lot of time into things but I think you know you really can learn from so many different people if you expose yourself to different situations and so I certainly would encourage you know everyone to be to be doing that. Oh that's wonderful Judy thank you for sharing that um I mean I can also say as a as a student dietitian you know having people such as yourself successful renowned dietitian and a and a wonderful leader being surrounded by um leaders such as yourself are yeah really important for us as well Yeah absolutely who do you most admire as a leader and why Well I guess I, it's a characteristics of leaders that I find um particularly people that I would sort of aspire to or, or look to in different situations. So some, some of those characteristics are people who are really reliable. You know that you can go to them and they've got the time for you and um, they'll always be able to participate in some sort of constructive conversation. Yeah, I think that's a great aspect of, of being a leader. Also people who are appro- approachable and don't sort of have this glass ceiling that you can't sort of talk to them or 
or, or engage with them over, over certain things. So um, I think being approachable is an important aspect of leadership for me. And you know, as I've described, my mentors have always been very supportive. So certainly I think that, that those individuals have been key leaders to me throughout my career. And also I think it's really important across all of the workplaces that I've been fortunate to, to work in, the workplaces have always been a happy place. And I think we spend so many of our hour, the hours of our day at work, um, that, you know, not happy as in silly, but as in a positive, constructive learning place to, to work and very supportive in that the, the, the focus of everyone's attention is on the, the end product, being our, our patient care, that, that they're really important aspects of, of leadership and, and of constructing um, really proactive, dy dynamic teams, which I think is what all leaders should do. Yeah, that's a really great point, Judy. Um, so. Yeah, that leads me on to my next component. So I imagine that collaboration and teamwork are really important aspects of your role. Um, but how do you in particular build successful teams? Okay, look, I think it's important that if you if you are do have the opportunity to to recruit to your teams, um, and not everyone does. You can often move into a management role where the team is very established, and often that's tricky at at the start of of those types of appointments but if you do have the opportunity to, to recruit then recruit well really um, uh, interview hard I suppose ask some challenging deeper questions so that you can really understand if the person that you're appointing to is the right person for the position going forward um, so I think that's an aspect of, of teamwork if you if you building I guess from the bottom up but also once you have that team really support them and encourage staff um, embrace professional development opportunities because I think you know from your, from yourself um, in university right through to more senior clinicians you know professional development really engages you in the profession really keeps you at that cutting edge of, of where the evidence is and and translating that into clinical practice. So encouraging staff um, across a, a range of dimensions, but professional development being one of those. Uh, and also I've always, I think, I've been fairly good at really decreasing hierarchies. I'm not really one for um, building a, a great structure and having, you know, different roles for seniors than the junior staff, really trying to collaborate across that team, I think, really fosters a really positive group of, of hardworking clinicians. So that's been some of the aspects that I guess I've embraced in terms of uh, building teams that I've been involved with over these years. That's an interesting point. And your last one um, was probably key characteristic of leadership. So um, that's really great to hear that that's how you focus on your team building. Um, what is the best piece of advice you have received during your career? I've, I've, I've received a, a lot of advice over the years and people who have given me advice, some would say that she listened and others would say that uh, she didn't. But uh, some uh, people have suggested that I should you should just say yes. So if you're really not sure, just say yes and don't knock, look, don't knock opportunities back because they often don't come uh, back to you. So that's one thing I've been encouraged to do. Uh, others, of course, on the flip side would say that uh, I should say no a little bit more often. Um, I think that's one of the challenges that you, you know, as you get more and more involved in the profession, more opportunities do come your way and uh, you need to obviously manage your workload and manage your stress levels. So um 
I, I guess across my career, though, I have really tried to, to take those opportunities and you know, from those come other opportunities. So it's, it's about um, building, a, yeah, about building a career but also about enjoying the journey, I think. Yeah. Um, I suppose it's about getting a balance between the two. It sounds Correct, like absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. One, one thing, though, Kate, I certainly always uh, do say no. If I think something's actually beyond the scope of, of my expertise, uh, so, for example, if I'm asked to re- you know, review papers for journals, that they're clearly not uh, within the scope of my expertise. I'll say no to all of those. Uh, and if you're overcommitted, um, then there's no point going back to put your hat in the ring for more grants and what have you. You're actually at capacity, so um, you, you need to recognise that, I think, and, and realise that you need to you know, move through some of the things on your to-do list before you take on any others. Excellent advice, Judy. Um, so could you tell us maybe one interesting fact about yourself? Kate, I'm not very good at sitting still. Um, I've managed to sit still for you for nearly half an hour. But Thank you so much. I don't sit still too often. Um, look, I, I guess, you know, beyond work, I really love um, hiking and, and bushwalking. And that's certainly where I tend to spend my holidays. And particularly the last couple of years, we've managed to make family trips across to Tasmania and um, always walking further and further. I have worked, walked quite a, a number of long-distance paths, um, you know, two- and three-week walks of uh, three and 400 kilometres. So certainly my hiking boots love to get a, a workout. And when they do, I'm at my happiest. Wow, that would have been beautiful in Tasmania. Yeah, I have done quite a few long walks in Tasmania, but particularly in Europe, you know, traversing England, traversing the Dolomites in the, in the north of Italy, um, lots of holidays in the French Alps when I was living in London. So, yeah, lots of walking, some fantastic sights, and I'm always wanting to know what's over the next mountain or the next ridge. So it's always let's keep going, keep going, and, uh, yeah, always wanting to just push that little bit further, I suppose. Could be a metaphor for your career aspirations as well, perhaps, I suppose. Perhaps. <laughs> oh, thank you for sharing that, Judy. Um, it sounds like you've had a very successful career thus far with very many achievements, um, and I really hope you're proud of yourself. That sounds amazing. Oh, I'm not one to perhaps sit and, sit and dwell on such things too much. Kate um there's just you know you just keep working through your list of things to do and mm. um you know as, as I've described I guess other opportunities continue to come your way if you deliver what you're supposed to be doing then then uh that's uh you know that's great at the end of the day yeah absolutely yeah um maybe we could finish the episode with um some advice that you could give for the listeners so um what is your number one tip for someone starting their career in dietetics Look, I think, you know, one of the challenges for new graduates these days is that there are a lot of uh, perhaps more graduates than what there have been in the past. So I think equally we have this really ageing population and so other opportunities that are continuing to to develop and expand the profession. I must say, going back when I graduated, yes, there were only 20 dietitians out of the, the course back in at QUT at the time, but... But there were barely enough positions for those 20 graduates at the time. So that really gives an indication, I guess, as to how far the profession and the the workforce generally has has expanded um, in this period. But um, certainly, I guess, in through, based on my experience, I would just say have persistence. Um, don't take no for an answer. 
And whenever you do have an opportunity, then just say yes, because um, from that, you never know um, what other opportunity may be around the corner. Excellent advice, Judy. And for all of our listeners, we'll have the key notes from this episode, as well as some extra information about Judy available on our show notes. And that will be at dietitianconnection.com slash podcasts. But I'd just like to say thank you so much to the truly inspirational Judy Porter. It's been a privilege chatting to you today and I've really enjoyed it. That's very kind, Kate, uh, and, and you. So thanks very much for the invitation and I uh, look forward to, to talking with you again. Also, a big thank you to all of our listeners. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, could you please leave a review for us as well as pass this podcast on to your colleagues and friends? Also, don't forget to subscribe to the Dietitian Connection Student Podcast so that you can automatically download and listen to the new episode each week. Thanks again for joining us and we'll see you next time for another fantastic episode of the Dietitian Connection Student Podcast.